0: So first off, I think it's been a real great pleasure to be on your podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I am very grateful. And, you know, I really look forward to this one. And, you know, kudos for all the great job you're doing. You know, uh, it's it's awesome what you do. And this collaboration uh, means so much to me. And thank you. Hello and welcome to Obehe podcast. I'm your host, Obehe a 14 And I strongly believe
1: that everyone has a story to share. Now let's get started into this episode.
0: So my name is Michael Okuma and I am a Nigerian researcher and content creator and well you could throw in human rights activists in there as well so i was born in enugu nigeria and that is a city where i grew up and where i still live till date so i think i pride myself in saying i'm nigerian true and true because a lot of the work i have done have revolved around uh trying to make nigeria a better place uh through the development sector so i have done a lot of work with uh, young people especially in the areas of peace building conflict resolution uh, crime prevention i have done quite some work uh, with the criminal justice institutions in nigeria uh, trying to improve the system uh, facilitate reforms and ensure that uh, we can have a nigeria that we're all uh, kind of proud about so I did not always you know uh, start off as a human rights activist as a matter of fact uh, my training would surprise a lot of persons because uh, i was in the basic medical sciences back in my invested days and i uh, got degrees in human anatomy and uh, public health education uh, but uh, somewhere along the line uh, on the innermost part of my being i've always uh, wanted to you know be the one who speaks up uh for changing the society i've always wanted to you know research into uh some of the causes of things because you know growing up we always wanted to know well, why does this exist why are things the way they are why can things not be different and uh, some of those questions uh, have stuck in my head and have refused to go away. Even as I grew older, so uh, somewhere I have learned to tackle uh, some of these uh, crazy thoughts. You know, we had growing up is trying to research, trying to read up, uh, trying to find out. You know, from persons who know better, and trying to look at phenomena that exists in nature. It kind of. Uh, helps me understand the world better, helps me understand people better. And I think that is the the force that wants me to do more. You know, it's a force that pushes me and then it helps me to uh, want to make Nigeria, maybe Africa and the whole world a better place.
1: All right, thank you so much for that, dear Mike. I really appreciate the time that you have taken to talk to me about what you do. Uh, this is really very fascinating, it's very interesting uh do you want to start by talking about your career your career development i think this is very important enough for people to understand let's go
0: so i think i was quite fortunate in my career you know because uh, starting off uh, it was the national youth service call you know and most nigerians who pass through reinvested systems here or in the diaspora always come back to give that one year of national service to the federal government and uh i got a chance to work at the college of health technology ningi where i was supposed to be uh, teaching anatomy and physiology in line with you know my course of study of course but you know fate has a way of bringing you to uh, the things that you desire the most because there in that institution was the uh, was a project of the canadian international development agency i think it was the the primary health care development projects they were doing in Bauchi and in Cross River states of Nigeria. And uh, this project was located at the college where I was teaching at the time. You know, then it was the School of Health Technology Ningi, in and would eventually become the College of Health Tech Ningi in before uh, we passed out in 2011. And this project involved a lot of uh, training activities for students and for the tutors and you know there were lots of travels and there was a lot of meetings and developing resource uh, materials and all that and it was a real great pleasure to have been a part of that and uh, some of the staff worked on the project You know, they were really kind and they let us participate in some of the activities. And and I think that kind of gave me a springboard to launch uh, myself into the development sector, you know, shortly afterwards. Even though, you know, I did like uh, two years afterwards teaching in secondary schools where I I taught biology to kids. And, you know, those are some of the most memorable experiences that I've had working because, you know, that be like the least toxic and the most uh, fun work environment uh, you could ever find yourself in. But even after I left, you know, formal teaching, I have continued to teach in the course of my work. You know, uh, in the past 10 years, I have uh, taught at very uh, different levels and I've had the chance to interact in learning environments with, you know, uh, real top people in government, you know, uh, top officials in various criminal justice institutions uh, with other human rights educators from across the world and I've also had a chance to, you know, teach, you know, students and all whatnot. And I still actively, you know, teach, you know, project management, monitoring, evaluation, and all the um, organizational uh, development learning needs that I'm able to identify and that fall in within uh, my capacities as a learning facilitator. And so I really still enjoy teaching and and I'll always say that should I ever become super rich, I'll probably, you know, go teach for free because I think that's, is the one profession that gives you a great present and an excellent future. So everyone should go teach actually. And then, you know, about uh, the project development aspect of my work. So it's pretty much something I enjoy doing uh, in the course of my work because when you have conducted your research, you've understood what the problem is, you know, and what that does is if you've understood a problem then you can to a very large extent predict what a good solution to the problem would be and so you know this problem solution relationship is what enables us to develop real great projects because then uh, we see a problem and we understand why it exists we understand its nature then we can understand how to uh, compromise that problem yeah and maybe produce a result that everybody would be a lot happier with and when you've come up with these ideas that form your solution then the question is what strategies do we need to apply so that everybody all the stakeholders are on board and want to participate in making the solution a reality now where you have a real great solutions chances are Uh, you're going to solve your problem real quickly and applying these very basic principles i have been able to uh, you know participate in developing over 25 projects in the last eight years alone and uh, some of these projects were small you know uh, at community level at state level here in nigeria but then some of these projects have had you know uh, national scopes you know uh, i think in 2015 and 2019 uh, we developed projects that had like uh, international conferences uh, in Abuja, and uh, we had people participating from uh, different parts of the world. And uh, we've had you know projects of, that had a national scope. You know, for example, the uh, there was a project we did back in twenty seventeen that instituted the gender sensitive approach to the treatment of women inmates, and uh, with that project. Uh, we have the Nigerian Correctional Service uh, now uh, planning better for the women folk and ensuring that they are treated in line with their specific needs as women and not uh, just the general treatment everyone got uh, before now and if you look at the 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 Nigerian Correctional Service Act uh, which was signed into law in 2019 uh, you see this project had a major major influence on that act because uh, the There's a whole section now on women and their rights and how they should be treated. And that's something we've never had in any uh, correctional service or prison uh, acts at any point in our history in the past hundred years. So, you know, uh, we've done uh, quite some significant projects here. Yeah? And I wouldn't want to talk about them all.
1: Thank you so much for that, Dear Mike. That is highly appreciated. Uh, all right, uh, service. We could even see that you are wearing the shirt. Uh, Do you want to talk to us about that? What does it mean?
0: Well, Civics is an acronym that means Society for Empowering Vulnerable Individuals, Communities and Systems and is a nonprofit that I founded in 2017. Well, uh, it's always been a small organization and there are chances it's going to stay that way uh, because, uh, you know, having worked in the development sector for a while and uh, having worked with a lot of persons, I personally believe... And it's in line with, uh, you know, a research that I have done that sometimes interventions that target single individuals will always be more effective than uh, that targets, you know, uh, thousands or millions of people at once. You know, it's like making medical doctors. You, you want to have uh, great medical doctors. You're going to realize that, okay, yeah. So when you're having the general courses, you have maybe a hundred persons in the room. But at the time they become doctors, you know, you have just a couple of them. By the time they're having their residency, you just have, you know, maybe a handful of persons. And the higher up they go in their training, the more exclusive the trainings become. Because uh, there are life-changing principles you can give out to, you know, so many people at the same time. Sometimes having that personal touch, that one-on-one contact... Might be all you need to affect the change you want in in your society. So, Civics is a local nonprofit in Nigeria, and I don't know. Maybe sometime in the future, we might find collaborators in other countries and be able to help more young persons uh, to achieve their best potentials. Because that is what we're about, you know, helping young persons. Achieve their their best potentials. Civics is a non profit organization, and that implies that a lot of the services that we provide to uh, the community would be relatively free. Yeah, I mean, in the sense that to a very large extent, the community won't have to, you know, pay for uh, the services if we're if we're able to find other persons who would foot the bill, you know, for one, and uh, if if for some reason they have to pay for the services we provide. It would be at a very discounted rate. Yeah. So civic to work with young people in a number of areas and first would be education. So, our theory is this education has to be any knowledge that empowers a person. So it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, classroom knowledge of biology and the cell and all those kinds of stuff. You know, like I used to teach, uh, some time back, but now we're looking at, uh, skills. People can make money out of skills that help them become, uh, better people, you know, so it could be, uh, workplace skills. It could be, uh, some hard skills that you can make money from like podcasting, you know, like content creation, you know, we teach blogging, how to write, uh, how to start your podcasts, uh, we, teach people about uh, YouTube and, you know, generally, you know, content creation and those kinds of stuff, uh, because that is something I am convinced can help anyone get started from where they are using whatever resources they have at their disposal. You know, look at the content creation space. People are talking about everything, you know, about the life in a village, about swimming, about fishing, about farming, you know there is nothing you make content on and people aren't gonna love it you know people are gonna love uh, whatever you put out there and i'm thinking so we have a pretty interesting life here in nigeria so showcase a bit of what you have and improve your chances of uh making money yeah okay so uh, that's on the one part but then uh, we also look at a society that is safe for everyone to live in. So we think that if more people are engaged in doing meaningful stuff, there would be uh, fewer opportunities for them to get into trouble. And the other thing that uh, we try to do is this, I've come to look at the nonprofit space and in line with, uh, you know, my desire to provide as much organizational support as i possibly can you know we brought this also into Civics, so we have the organizational or what we call the corporate support services as uh, one of the main things that we provide so it could be in form of uh strategy development or in training or sometimes you know helping organizations to brainstorm to find their place in the community because i think there are so many nonprofits in Nigeria but then a good number of them have very little idea of what they are doing you know the research capabilities are not so good uh, the organizational development uh, opportunities are not so much there, there aren't enough grants for nonprofits to use for their work and th- that is simply because there are So many organizations competing for very limited resources and even in more recent times uh, with COVID-19 and all that's happened in the financial, in the global financial space, uh, there isn't so much uh, resources for people to use for their work anymore. uh, what we're doing at civics is helping organizations improve uh, their visibility, uh, provide training opportunities, organizational capacity assessment opportunities and all of that. I think uh, these are the two areas where we want to focus now because you know initially we wanted to do you know recreation, wanted to do health and all that. but right now we're narrowing down our work to uh, two main uh, items and that's going to be coming out in the new strategic plan uh that we are working on you know so it's going to be education and organizational capacity uh development and these are going to be like uh, the two key things we're going to be focusing on in the within the next five years i think starting from our letter this year or early next year yeah, so we want to be the nonprofits, nonprofits. And you're going to see a lot of the projects that we're developing in more recent times keen into this ideology. You know, there is the peer ed, uh, which is going to launch very soon. Uh, but the other exciting one that is actually in line right now is the Gold Coast. So Gold Coast is for nonprofits. And I think it's going to be probably the first uh, directory site we're going to have for nonprofits. In Africa, and we're gonna call on all nonprofits from across Africa and even uh, nonprofits of African origins, but maybe operate in the diaspora. They can all come sign up there, and that would help. Uh, bring more visibility to nonprofits across Africa that would help uh, them find uh, partners that can also help them you know share the work, the impact that they are creating in the society and it's also a very good opportunity for uh, beneficiary groups to give feedback on the work that their nonprofits are doing so it's still work in progress but then the site is up and um, organizations can go now you know a create accounts and sign up so those are you know kind of like a few of the stuff we do at cervix and
1: oh right thank you thank you so much there uh now i understand that you also work with 100 is that something that you would like to say about that to help people understand what it means and how you guys operate
0: now i'm excited about this one now 100 is an international organization that promotes educational innovations across the world so it's an organization based in finland but the impact of their work is felt you know pretty much everywhere in the world and what they do is phenomenal because 106 out local innovations you know this could be uh, how teachers in the local school are trying to solve a problem that they have and now these innovations are all compiled in a platform and then they are laid out in a way that teachers who are facing similar challenges in other parts of the world can assess these innovations and they can apply them to solve their problems and that way we can have you know, more effective, more efficient, more sustainable educational models, not just in some parts of the world where you have better uh, development, but actually everywhere in the world. And uh, that's super, super awesome. So what's my role within 100? Okay, so I'm country lead for Nigeria. And the the thing is, uh, people can become parts of 100 in many capacities you know people could become ambassadors and you know, you could be like an ambassador You could be a youth ambassador if you're like really young uh not, not like the nigerian idea of youth where uh, people in their 80s still claim to be youth you know like a lot of our politicians know uh you know youth people under 24. But well, probably when people are not 18, you know, so really young persons, you know, these are high school kids who are passionate about education and want to make impacts in their schools and in their society. And and then uh, among the ambassadors, you have country leads, and that's where I come in alongside other country leads from uh, different countries across the world. And what we do is uh, network with the ambassadors we have in our country and try to find a way uh, that we can Uh, collaborate among ourselves improve the quality of the work we do and then of course share innovations with the global community so 100 is a really nice organization and i think uh, it's one of those uh, very silent organizations at least in those parts that are making real great impacts and that will save education
1: all right now let's talk about something uh different now uh, storytelling, as we will read under here, everyone has a story to tell, and for us, we like talking about story a lot. Uh, and now, uh, I want you to talk to me about storytelling, how it might influence your your what you do. Of course, I'm trying to understand here what can be uh, the importance of telling of African story. Please help me with that.
0: <laughs> so, I think of all the questions that you have asked, my friend, this it's probably my favorite yes because um you know growing up i've always had this impression that just like you know most africans or most nigerians that you know the world is a real simple place and we're all you know the same yeah you know so uh hadn't traveled out of nigeria and i had not met so many people from so many different countries and that includes africans of course but uh, until I started traveling and i started realizing that even within the african continents you know we have so much that unites us but then we also have so much that divide us you know so uh it's not the same culture it's not the same ideologies it's not the same beliefs you know but all of these beliefs collectively are different from what you have in asia different from what you have in europe different from what you have in america but then I also realized that the narratives of Africans that you get from different parts of the world are gonna be different, you know? So uh, the typical European uh, may not perceive a Nigerian as, you know, the best person to do business. I don't know, I don't know. But, you know, there are stereotypes. That's the point I'm trying to make. And I don't wanna be saying anything, you know? <laughs> I don't wanna say, I, I don't want to generalize. That's what I'm trying to make. I don't want to generalize. But we know that there are stereotypes. And uh, a lot of times, uh, a quick Google search, you know, go go to Quora. Ask if there are Nigerians in, in Italy or in, in Germany or in Moscow, or wherever. You know, if you read 10 comments, you probably get like seven negative comments. But like, oh, yeah, they're Nigerians. Oh, they're really cool. Oh, no, they're scammers. Oh, no, they're fraudsters. Oh, And so people always try to tell our stories differently, you know, it's like growing up and watching Hollywood movies and the movies always have a theme where, uh, you have people who are barbaric and evil and satanic and cannibals, and then the white man comes and saves them or the white man's religion comes and redeems them and, you know, brings them civilization. But that's the narrative a lot of us heard growing up, and so you know when you go out there in the streets, you're gonna hear young people say, "Ah, oh, our ancestors were bad," uh, you know, "our people were silly, our people were illiterate, our people did this and they did that and they did those." And they did. but as I grew and I started studying on my own, I started realizing that man. Um, it wasn't all true now uh, cannibalism is not a is not an African word. Cannibalism is an English word because sometime before the white men found the black people, there were white people who ate other white people, oh yeah, mhm-, you know it's a concept that they that they had, you know genocide. Before people talk about genocide in Rwanda, you know, now go to Google, search the word genocide. They're going to find Rwanda but genocide is an English word because there's been genocides before Rwanda even learned about the concept genocide there were no genocides in Africa in 1945 or between 1917 and 1919 or whatever you know we we didn't have uh, genocides in the Middle Ages we didn't have genocides in the second century in the third century we didn't but these were reoccurring themes you had across europe you know these people fought for a hundred years you know fought a war for a hundred freaking years so but they don't tell you about that so I realized that uh, the European would be quick to tell you what's bad about your culture, but not what's bad about his own culture. He'll tell you what's good about his culture and tell you what's bad about your culture. And uh, the hope is that you can abandon what is truly yours and then embrace what is truly theirs. And that kind of resonates the, the saying attributed to Chinua Achebe that until the lion learns to write the... The tale of the haunt will always glorify the hunter, And so unless we learn to tell the African story as a people, we will always suffer. You know, our development will suffer. Our educational system will suffer. Everything is going to suffer as a matter of fact. You know, imagine that you are studying history. In nigeria and then they're gonna teach you okay that you guys had uh, the bini empire the Kanem Burno empire and then they'll tell you all the empires fell and then uh, there was colonization and then there was independence and then our history pretty much begins in 1960 or oh, well some person want to trace it back to 1914 with the amalgamation of the northern and the southern protectorates to create the entity called nigeria right but then uh, the people the cultures that exists in this entity called Nigeria have always been there for thousands of years our ancestors have lived on this land they had cultures there were people you know but all you hear about that is oh there were twin killers until Maris Leso stopped the killing of twins until you did your research then you realize that Maris Leso did not actually stop the killing of the twins a local chief did you know, what actually happened, you know, from the story I learned. Now, I heard a story in Calabar when I visited the Marisles Island and they showed us what would have been, you know, the place where the the lady lived. So it turns out that they had this culture where twins were killed in a particular uh, community. It wasn't a widespread culture across Nigeria. This was in Cross River State. Yes. And it so happens that now this chief, has this wife who gives birth to a set of twins and he did not want his twins to die. So what did he do? He saved the life of his twins and started mobilizing support to end the killing of twins. Now, Mary Slessor was a missionary who lived in the neighborhood. And yes, she did uh, talk about uh, these things and she tried to talk to people about them, but it wasn't her teachings that made the people want to stop it is the fact that some powerful persons were affected and they said okay enough of this bullshit let's stop it right now because they didn't want to lose your kids you know so so when the story is told ah, Mary less but then what happens to the chief and his collaborators what happened to all the other uh, locals who held hands and said you know what i think we're done with this and they changed the culture Because then if you understand how cultures change, you know that foreigners don't change cultures, the people change cultures, you know. And you you find that across uh, so many different tribes, you know, we hear about the fall of the Bini Empire, but would they tell you that the British, you know, robbed and looted the the British Empire and stole all their stuff, you know, killed their people, men and women and children? Are they going to tell you that history? No. Are they going to tell you that uh, once upon a time, that the British Im- Im- invaded Nembe and they killed men, women, and children? No, are they gonna tell you that the British killed uh, some of the greatest kings that Africa produced? You know, the likes of King Jaja of Opobo, the likes of uh, Moanga II, uh, you know, the Kabaka of Buganda. Are they gonna tell you that uh, the British killed uh, the-, the Kabalega of Bunyoro? no uh, you know the, the story goes from zanzibar to south africa to everywhere in africa they're not gonna tell you the atrocities that they have committed are they gonna tell you that king leopold killed millions of congolese people because of the natural resources in in their lands that he cut off their arms and their limbs he cut them limb by limb until they died are they gonna tell you that no so when a genocide, when something something that is relatively bad happens in Africa, everybody's gonna hear about it. But then when it is perpetrated by the Europeans, then um no, you're never gonna hear about that so if we're gonna tell the history of our people, we have to tell it right, and from our own perspective, the narratives have to change. you know, our people have to uh, learn to talk better about those things because you know I think it's it's enough you know we've had enough of all of these censoring of what we study in schools of what we can read up censoring of what we can find online censoring of what we think and believe about ourselves because it's a death of you know real genuine information about who we truly are and what our journey has been you know one that really drives me crazy is when they say oh the african was illiterate and they had to teach them how to read and write no our people wrote uncBd and then uncBd was just one of the ancient writing systems coming out of africa because when you go from culture to culture from ancient kush to to egypt come down to sub-saharan africa and we had different writing systems that people used to communicate and some of those writings still exist still today and so when there they were literates and we taught them how to write lies lies all lies and so uh, i i think <laughs> i think we we, we need to uh, start working on those narratives and and changing them because it's it's really crazy you know it really is crazy
1: you're absolutely right it's really crazy <laughs> that is the right word for it uh i really appreciate the 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 contribution that you that you made there um okay now tell me something about the research how do you research the kind of project that you do
0: i guess like most people you know we are in universities trying to figure out what the rest of our lives hold and uh, i think it was in my 300 level and i was thinking to myself you know after university what next uh i didn't want to be an anatomist <laughs> yeah no, that's a crazy thing to say uh, so my parents wanted me to be a doctor right i wanted to be you know some form of scientist i wanted to work in the lab you know do some stuff because i remember filling out my first jam form and uh, what i wanted was microbiology or biochemistry because then you know we had these life science books that belonged to my dad and we studied and you know there were all these people who worked with microbes in laboratories and who found a cures to diseases and helped to make the world a better place. That kind of was what I wanted, you know? And and then uh my parents were like uh how about you do the whole professional costing thing, you know, or do medicine a pharmacy, you know, something professional that's going to pay you big bucks. And well, I agreed. I wasn't paying either, <laughs> but then I, I thought it was a good idea, but then we're going to medical school and I was like, okay, uh, I don't think I want to be a doctor, you know, so it's a crazy story, but I end up in an art department and I'm a year away from graduation and I'm thinking to myself, so what next? You know, so I looked at all of the uh, various research fields that uh, people could get into. And what I say to myself was, well, I think... I think I'd want to, you know, work in humanitarian situations. I'd want to help people out uh, when, when things go really bad. So while a lot of my colleagues were doing research is in areas of, uh, you know, uh, cellular anatomy, uh, they were doing a lot of lab works, sacrificing animals, uh, doing uh, histological studies and all those kinds of stuff. I, I did biological anthropology. Cause then I felt, yeah, you know, that was going to be really useful. and would set me up for a career in the development sector. So that's when, uh, I started noticing the ideas of going into, uh, you know, community development kind of work. Yeah. So I finished my research on, on a concept called comic index. And, you know, it was a real, a real good study. I was like the best, uh, research student in my class at the time. And I got published in 2009 and yeah you, you, can, you can still find my first research online i think it's published on the internet journal of biological anthropology you know so that was my first uh research like my first published uh, research experience because research is something that has grown to be a part of our lives and our existence because we always want to question phenomena that exists in our environment and I guess uh, that kind of stock. So uh, since then, I've done a bunch of other researches, uh, a good number of which are not in the public uh, domain, because uh, when you work in the in the human rights sector and you are working with very vulnerable groups, there are uh, certain researches you conduct that you do not publish uh, because uh, you might be further exposing the vulnerabilities of the, the sensitive groups that you work with. So, uh, both but you know, uh, there's been uh, quite a number of published research and one I'm most proud of would be uh, research we did in 2019 for the United Nations Office of Drugs and Crimes on illicit use of uh, codeine and tramadol in uh, Nigeria. It was a large team, but it was a very fantastic experience. And till date, I still conduct, you know, uh, little uh, packets of research uh, that help me understand better uh, the terrains where I work and help me improve the quality of service that I deliver to, you know, all the different groups I work.
1: Now, do you want to say a word about uh, the objective of service? Uh, I understand how you uh, how you talked about it before. So I want you to uh, spend a word there. Uh, what can be the objective? What do you want to ob- achieve uh, by uh, this organization,
0: service? So, service is a nonprofit that w- was formulated to create enabling environment for African youth to achieve the greatest potentials, you know, in all facets of life. And we're looking to achieve that through promoting education, improving academic achievement, improving uh, technical skills, individual competencies and capabilities. You know, we also looked at promoting health and then the institutions that support Uh, all of this. And then we're also looking at recreation, you know, as a very important path to uh, youth development. But uh, all of that were at the point of a foundation. But like I said previously, Right now, we're only looking to promote education and to promote, you know, healthy operations among other nonprofits that provide these services because uh, we've come to learn that no one organization can provide enough services to help everyone. But a lot of times there isn't enough support for all the organizations that want to uh, work in the sector and to provide these services to You know all the different groups that they work with whether they are young people um, elderly persons members of the lgbtq community you know uh, childbearing mothers or just about any other group you can think about
1: all right now how can people connect with you those who want to maybe uh do business with you or just want to connect with you so they can share your story and do something with you can you please share with us what are the, the ways to reach you
0: so there are a bunch of ways i can be reached first you can send an email to michael at cervix.org or you can send the organization and an email at uh, cervixeng at gmail.com okay but if you wanted to connect on other social media platforms uh, you can reach me on instagram at Michael Lokoma, actually, it's Michael Lokoma on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and pretty much everywhere else. Well, on LinkedIn, yeah, still Michael Locoman and if you wanted to reach our organization across social media platforms, you'll be at Cevix Africa on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can also check out our YouTube channel, yeah, that's also a good way to connect. At Civics Africa, that's what the YouTube channel is called, and my podcast is Speak Your Podcast. So you can come by, drop a comment, and you know we can all talk some more. But uh, pretty much any of the social media platforms uh, would catch my attention, and we can start off a conversation uh, right from there. So I'm looking forward to connecting to all of you. Thank you very much.
1: If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. Rate and review overhead podcast and share with your friends who might need it. Adame Gobehi A14. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you in the next episode.